up everybody welcome back to tag team the pokemon trading card games premier podcasting duo my name is riley holbert joined by my good friend jw Kriwal. jw how's it hanging it's hanging pretty well i got some new blue light glasses yeah which my wife is very excited about they're <laughs> from diff the maker is diff and apparently that's like the toms of glasses because they like they give a glasses. pair for every right yeah. and so uh, you you may know my wife is like a super big craigslister facebook marketplacer <laughs> and so she got these glasses for an insane deal when they normally like retail for like 80 dollars. she was telling me nice. got them for 15 so pretty cool nice do you feel the difference like when you're looking at screens i do i had been wearing these blue light glasses but she oh. said they were ungainly um <laughs> definitely very orange and they kind of are like you know some oh, i don't know i look like uh dr disrespect or something like that but yeah yeah it spans the mustache leans a little bit into the gamer zone <laughs> i definitely a huge game if i want to be a gamer i wear these and then if I want to be, you know, a an insightful hipster, then I wear these. Do they have, like, similar levels of efficacy? Like, do you feel like they prevent the strain in about equal amounts, or is one better or worse? Um, I would just say that since it, like, it's a change of color, probably the other one is feels a little bit different because it also, like, dims a little bit. The orange color dims, but... yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. I definitely do feel a difference just whether I wear these glasses or the other ones, just nice. knowing that I can look at screens a little bit more safely. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you like, sleep better after looking at screens when you use these? I actually had been, before I got the orange glasses, which were, like, maybe two or three weeks ago, like, I was finding, actually, I was getting kind of eye spasms. <laughs> and then I attributed it, right, because I was looking at a computer screen or something for you know, most of the day, I attributed it to the blue light from the computer. Yeah. And since getting, you know, a pair of glasses, I haven't noticed the the twitch. So that must have been it. Yeah, I've been cured. I, I know I have like trouble falling asleep when I mm. when I'm using like my phone without the night shift is a good example. Like if I'm yeah. lying in bed, just scrolling through my phone, if it's if I'm using blue light, then I'm much more likely to stay awake than if I'm on the night shift. Thing. Right on the iPhone, so. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely noticed that too, but I always have used Twilight or some other similar app. Yeah. Kind of get rid of that blue I used light. to use Flux on my computer. Um, yeah. But then I start, when I whenever I do like graphic design stuff, you have to turn off Flux because your, your sense of the colors is going to be off to what's actually <laughs> on the screen. Right. So I ended up just like stop using Flux, but it's a, right. good, it's a good piece of software. Right, for sure. Kind of emulates sure. the same effect, right, you know. Yeah. but based on the time of day cool yeah. well speaking of computers uh lately the the world of online tcg has really been expanding uh, people have truly forayed into the the magical realm that is tabletop simulator uh, i feel like every day i see another youtuber trying to make a tutorial on how to do tabletop <laughs> simulator i don't know what the deal with that is i guess they're just trying to hop on the trend um, sure I mean, it's still tabletop simulator, you know, takes some getting used to. I feel like once you actually get used to it, it actually feels like a pretty passable way to play a card game. Yeah, um, it's OK. It's OK. I think the the kind of onboarding 
is a little bit difficult for some people. Yeah. But like you said, as soon as you get used to the mechanics, you kind of see these certain things that, oh, okay, this makes sense because I've already used it in this application. And then if I do it here, then okay, then that. You know, yeah. I've used this already to try to do this effect, but then it, it's very applicable over here. And so I think just the onboarding is very difficult. But as soon as you get into it, as soon as you get in a flow, it's a really nice program. Yeah. I, I think that the place where Tabletop Sim falters right now, at least for Pokemon cards, I think as a program, it actually does its job phenomenally well. Um, but specifically for Pokemon cards, I think where it struggles is with like weird Pokemon cards like Marnie that like require this very odd set of actions. Like even within like a physical realm, <laughs> like it's odd it to sucks, do Marnie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it not a natural thing. Uh, it definitely isn't. Yeah, I remember playing, you know, when we back when we had physical card tournaments, you know, playing the Marnie and you're like, you're trying to pick up your deck and maybe you don't pick up the whole deck and then you yeah, got cards like, like flying around, mess, and, yeah, you know, or you like forget to offer your your uh, shuffle your to the to opponents, yeah. you know, and it's just all this awkward stuff. Yeah. So like that part, I understand the other area. Yeah. So like any weird Pokemon card interaction, it's just like very non-traditional like that. Yeah. Um, the other area where I've seen difficulty is just with like energy specifically or like things that get attached to Pokemon. It's like hard yeah. to stack them quite right. It's like, yeah. it's like an art and you get used to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wish someone would, and I've thought about doing this myself. I think I mentioned this last week of like, maybe I, maybe I just told this to Andrew, but I, I have thought about just as like a programming exercise to like try and do a mod for Do it. a script. Yeah. yeah. I just like I just don't have the time. I you know yeah. we we're doing the cast a little bit early today, and I left work really late, so like I really got home about a, like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, regardless, I I think it's a uh, it's more than passable, and I think you know that's kind of the foundation right now. We've had so many so many formats now where people have done ridiculous stuff to try and do formats before they come to TCGO. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we do. We do Skype sessions. We do like TCG one, which you know that's probably my least favorite mechanism. <laughs> like all this sure. kind of crazy stuff, um, and I think tabletop sim is almost seems to be like the final form of that. Right. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Now, Riley, from a from a viewer perspective, how do you feel like tabletop simulator, you know, compares to a real game of Pokemon? I mean, obviously it's worse but uh how much worse like a real life um, game of pokemon yeah um i don't know i think the most exciting way to watch pokemon is actually just tcgo like watch how you have animations and like you the movements are very <clears throat> smooth i think there are notable pros and cons to tabletop simulator i think overall it's like a worse experience than you know like a traditional experience just because i don't know maybe that's just like nostalgia almost like an enjoyment of the the physicality of cards you know that's that's sure. part of the reason i like card games in general to be honest is like the physicality yeah. of holding cards and moving them around and oh. doing stuff with them for sure um, so that being said i think there's a, some notable pros and cons the, the you lose out on some of like the player feeling i guess where you have like physical people moving stuff around and, and interacting with cards but you gain a you gain efficiency at least in some areas like shuffling is so streamlined and that's really the benefit of any online tool is that shuffling is streamlined which is the most time consuming part of any card game is the shuffling right. especially in one like pokemon where you shuffle a lot yes <laughs> not every tcg shuffles as much as pokemon 
Uh, Pokemon Shuffle is an exceptionally large amount of times in a turn. That's right. So That's right. having it streamlined is actually really nice. I think, on the whole, I actually I wasn't sure what I would feel about Tabletop Simulator and like watching it. I think as people have gotten more familiar with it and it's been less painful to like watch them go through interactions, <laughs> it's got it's gotten at least okay. Like I, I think the only areas where it really falters are like those weird interactions, like Marnie and and yeah. um, you know things like Great Ball that like there's just a little more effortful. I I don't know. Like it takes more effort to do them than maybe I would sure. like to see. But sure. other than that, like I I actually do enjoy watching it. That's good. That's good. And you can tell, you know, kind of what the cards are and it's not like hard to read, I guess. I guess that would be for me the biggest thing is like I get the comments where it's like, hey, could you, you know, turn up the um, turn up the resolution on the tabletop? But it's like, no, that that's about where it is like going to be. And you just, you know, it's kind of blurry and things like that. I'm wondering how that is for you. I, I don't know. Like maybe I'm just familiar enough with the cards, but like, yeah, I, t- you know, when I'm playing the game in real life, I look at the picture across from me. I don't read every single thing on my opponent's cards every single time. Like I just know what the card is. Yeah. You know, when we go to Worlds, we play. We look at the picture. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. So like, I I don't know. It's, I don't see a problem. Yeah. No. It's definitely interesting how, and I think that speaks to going off on a little tangent. I think that speaks to how a lot of players can get you know certain interactions wrong or certain uh, card text wrong because a lot of it is just this this eyesight you know kind of yeah looking at a card you see you identify the picture you identify the color the you know the look of it and then you go from there right and you just oh yeah i assume that this does this or i assume that this interacts with this in this way and so yeah that's pretty interesting yeah i think maybe that complaint is a little amplified because of the fact that we're working like with new format cards sure um so like people might not have that level of familiarity i think you know, by yeah. and large, there's not too many. Like, there's actually a decent amount of stuff in Darkness Ablaze, but there's not a lot of, like, crazy complicated stuff. And most of no. the stuff is, like, heavy hitter stuff that you've probably already seen. Like, yeah, probably I was the say, most complicated I've... card, I'm sure you yeah. would agree, is a turn of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just a lot going on there. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's a real funny one because I've been doing some tabletops over the last couple of uh, weeks with Andrew, and that's probably the most like asked question in the chat is like someone will come in and one of us is playing Eternatus and someone will say in the chat, like what's with your bench? <laughs> like you're over bench. Like I'm like, no, no, it can, it can fit up to eight. So <laughs> no. And we were having a really interesting conversation prior to the guest because we were trying, I was saying, I was musing at the idea of Eternatus and like alternative ways to play it. Cause I was at work today and I was walking to get food and I'm like, you know, I'd watch your I'd watch your video on yeah. YouTube yeah. about how like Eternatus is like you know, overhyped slightly, and I'm like, yeah, oh, man, like, there has to be like some some way to play Eternatus that just no one has seen through the through the mm-hmm. glass yet or seen through the fog. Um, and I'm walking around like, man, like couldn't Eternatus just be like an optimal two hit KO deck versus other big pokes? Like, you know, if you can't get the one hit KO, Eternatus can always guarantee you two hit KO, which not every deck can boast that. Right. Um, and like, and obviously you can one hit KO like anything under 270. Um, right. And so I'm like thinking about this and thinking, thinking like, oh, I wish there was a way you could heal it and do all this kind of, you know, crazy fun stuff. And you brought up <laughs> Champions Festival. And <laughs> so we look up Champions Festival. If you don't know what Champions Festival is, it's a world's promo. It's a stadium. 
And if you have a full bench, plus your active Pokemon, then you can heal 10 on your board. That's what we knew the effect of he heal 10 from Heal 10 from all of your Pokemon. Yeah. So that was what we had colloquially known the effect of Champions Festival to be. And this actually ties yeah. in like both kind of topics, like where we recognize like what the card generally does as opposed to its yeah. words and the complicated nature of Eternatus. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. so we're, we're like, oh, maybe we can use that to heal. And we look up Champions Festival and it says, if you have six Pokemon in play, then you can use it. And if you so, <laughs> I guess you just can't use it with Eternatus because you have more than six. I mean, you could use it with Eternatus. You just have to only you have five. You have bench. to have six. Yeah. It was <laughs> just, just like, like that's so bizarre. And it's like I doubt they ever thought about that because there wasn't any precedent for a larger bench size ability. There was precedent for like smaller bench size abilities. And then there was precedent for like expanding your bench with like Skyfield, for instance. But then if but you have Skyfield in play, then you would never have Champions Festival. In play. Right. So, so it was just bizarre. Almost. It was yeah. just crazy. So, I really liked learning that, though. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Kind of, so, yeah. Old and new worlds collide. Long story short, we I tried to think about a way to play Eternatus as more of a tanky to Hikeo deck. And uh, I guess we didn't really find anything fruitful. <laughs> but it's a good thing to consider like yeah i definitely you know i put out that video kind of saying like the counters to eternatus and why it isn't you know maybe the it's not going to be the deck that just absolutely runs over much of the format like it does have you know it is a good deck it is tier one in my opinion but it's not like the one you know it's not the bdif i think there are a lot of things that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with but you bring up an, another point is like how will we see these lists evolve into the future and what will they what will they look like? I mean, we have these really nice base lists. Andrew put out a very good base list of Eternatus. I think there are a lot of good base lists out there for many of the archetypes that come out of Darkness Ablaze, but how will we reimagine them as the format goes on? That's really yeah. exciting because we have this kind of initial thought and then, you know, you go and test that thought and, you know, modify and change it up and, and then we come out with a more developed format. And I think that's really now we're moving in. It almost feels, it's weird to say, like the set is what? three weeks four weeks away from dropping and it's, uh it's two weeks from dropping well uh four weeks from being playable i guess but like you know what is playable uh, you know at this stage of the game <laughs> yeah but that's what i'm saying is like it's interesting i i feel like for this set we have more uh already in the time in the short time period like we have more of a developed idea of what the format will look like in you know so far uh you know pat beyond well, what am I trying to say? We have such a good idea of the format before the set even drops, like that we've had for any other format, I feel like. I'd say yes and no. I mean, normally, you know, at on present day, we would yeah. normally be talking about the world's format, right? Yeah. And I feel like we we put a lot of effort into our world testing at least last year. <laughs> and I feel like we got yeah. it pretty close besides the fact that we just didn't know Mewtwo was so good. Well, um, I yeah, it was interesting though, because we kind of picked a meme well, to play at Worlds. Well, it started as a meme, <laughs> and it, it developed into something much greater. And honestly, I still stand by that if like if we knew what we were doing with that, we could have definitely done better. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's for sure true. It's for sure. True. It was it was still a little bit in the meme zone, but, <laughs> but it was also like partially informed by what we thought the meta was going to look like, which was incorrect because we weren't factoring in the welder decks to the level that we should have. Yeah, um, absolutely. The non-greens Wilder decks, that is. Absolutely. So, it, whatever. You know, bygones be bygones. You know, <laughs> we're talking about Guardi, if you're not familiar. Um, we played Gardevoir at, at Worlds last year. Um, 
But yeah. what I'm saying is, like, I feel like this tying this together, we had a what we thought was a good sense of what the meta would look like, and it was correct for a large subset of players. Mm-hmm. But there was another subset of players which completely blew our our minds basically about what we thought was realistic and possible for the format. We saw Pidgey, we saw like these Welder Mewtwo decks that were very straightforward and very strong, obviously won the mm-hmm. tournament. And then we had like the the Firebox decks, which obviously yeah. were a staple for the entire rest of the year. Yeah. So yeah. I guess what I'm ultimately saying is don't count your chickens before they hatch, Mr. JW. Well, for sure. And then, I mean, you look at the, at our position too, and just, uh, uh, being content creators and being, uh, kind of voices and just saying like, we have to make decisions at certain points. Right. So like you have to make an opinion, you have to develop an opinion at this point. And so, yeah, of course, of course, like I, I'm always open. And I've always said like, uh, the early opinions are some of the most fluid, right. In right. the sense that they can change the most, but I think there are some things, some truths that have developed over the couple weeks that we've been doing tabletop and and you know just theorizing on the on the new format i think one of those things is that adp is still very very good and we were talking about like it dominated two formats ago and maybe wasn't as dominant this last format although still had a very solid position in the metagame but i think it comes back into prominence because of the lack of one prize attackers like Spiritomb and yeah. Baby Blacephalon. Like those are, Baby Blacephalon, still a deck. Not saying that, you know, no one will ever play Baby Blacephalon. And to an extent, I'm sure Spiritomb is a thing, but it's very obviously not the same deck that it once was. And so you look at the decline of those two decks. Um, for me, being the reason that ADP just vaults itself into arguably the best deck in the new format so obviously adp remains as like a powerful force it doesn't really lose anything and it, yeah. the, the fact of the matter is doing 30 more damage and taking an extra prize when you have zashians in your deck is just good <laughs> so that all yeah. follows uh, logically makes sense to me um in your experience is there anything that really consistently stands up I mean, I think you can make a case for Eternatus, but the weakness there in Eternatus is that you're not quite on the same turn clock. Like, you can't really guarantee wins in the same way that you can with ADP. The thing with ADP and the Eternatus matchup is that you don't even have to knock out an Eternatus. You don't even have to hit into an Eternatus to win the game. Like, you can just you can just dink around the Eternatus, go after two Crobats, and that's the game. And, like, we were kind of talking about, well, maybe there's a way for Eternatus to, you know, not bench as many Crobats, but then to the point that you're not benching Crobats, you're not really getting the damage that you need to get out. So it's yeah. the, this kind of tightrope here. I, it's not to say, like, that Eternatus can't beat ADP, because it certainly can. I think that's the deck that goes toe-to-toe with it the best in the next format. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what kind of one-prize solutions people will come with. I, I feel like people always start with these insane one prize decks and we get narrow them down to like some consistent masterpiece. Um, I haven't really experimented with one prize to be honest in this format. Yeah. I, I've mostly looked at turn this as kind of like my kind of deck, you know, fill your bench, sure. and, you know, sure. have a lot of, I mean, it's cool. I mean, it reminds and... me a lot of like, uh, I mean, honestly, like a Zorak deck, like a Zorak Skyfield deck. Um, yeah, you not, know, in quite, a lot of ways. not quite the flavor that, uh, that Zorak had. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know, that's just, you know, like best flavor of all time. But um, 
you know, it's it, it, it harkens to it at least. You know, it gives you some of that satisfaction of hitting a lot of damage with a large bench. Yeah. Having a wide bench is kind of fun, you know? Like It is, man. <laughs> like when you're like, when you're pushing your opponents to both sides, you're like, hey, man, can I get a little extra room? I got to put another Zigzagoon down, you know? Yeah, and the fact <laughs> it's for a Zigzagoon makes it better. For sure. Right, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, it all follows. It all makes sense yeah. to me. It um, definitely does. You know, the other. The other deck that I've been really impressed with in the early testing has been Decidueye. Uh, I think I I knew Decidueye would be good to an extent, but uh, kind of playing it as as the, you know, essentially the Agrow deck <laughs> that we all just wrecked regionals with. I think it has a lot of promise. Again, the one problem I would say with it is like, it just has a hard time with ADP. You pretty much got to lay his option down. You got to get, you know, a couple of Decidueye out and you're not doing enough damage quick enough to like take out the one prize threat that ADP could potentially play. So that to me feels like a deck that if you can figure out a tech or um, some way, some strategy to beat ADP, and that would be for sure like a, a top tier contender. Yeah. Right now probably falls in that tier two category, um, but it's just something that I have been looking at and saying, you know, this, this could actually work. This does have a lot more viability uh, than maybe I initially thought. I thought it was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it turns out it probably will be. Yeah, honestly, my initial impressions of Decidueye were bad. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Like, the fact it was on a stage two to get this ability when we've had, you know, similar decks on basic Pokemon <laughs> to do this. And I yeah. didn't even like those decks. Right. So, you know, the, the shift in dynamic there, and I... I don't really know what's pushing Decidueye that didn't push those other decks when they were quicker and more simple. But, um, you know, I think the format has, has centered itself enough around these multi-prize Pokemon that it just makes it an easy contender, you know? Exactly. For sure. So, uh, not the kind of decks that I like, though. I just, I hate playing those kind of decks, man. It, it really sucks when you just hit like a one prizer that just plows through you before you can do anything <laughs> definitely man i totally agree i don't know i, I hate I totally my strategy agree. being like predicated on my opponent not being able to do anything when it's i don't like know simple yeah, enough it, for some decks to include in not every day it works it works a lot of the time though i gotta say yeah yeah no i just like oh. the general strategy is never one that i've liked you know oh it's sure. not so much like like you'll win with it. You'll you'll play it if if you if you you know felt like it was the best play for the tournament. But right, uh, you would never default to it. Yeah, I mean the only time I've really liked a deck like that was when I played the Vileplume deck. Yeah, um, but you and, really liked that deck though. But that yeah, had a well, lot of thinking. You know, I put a lot of time into that deck and like yeah, it was very methodical and um, you know, it was also just like such an exceptionally obviously good play that. It made sense to well, and you're and just so listeners know, you're talking about the colloquially named colloquially named Wacky Smacky. That's correct. Yeah, which is a mill deck, stall deck, focusing around you know Regigigas and has a was it a I mean it was a what three o three vile plume or something like that. It's a little bit thicker. Two o two. Three o two. Oh, three o two. Okay. Yeah. 302 plume line blocking the basics from attacking. So uh, just kind of this wall deck that you could put up anything to respond to your opponents and just eventually mill them out. So Sancho Villa 
brings up in chat, not to shift gears too hard from Vileplume, but Sansa Villa brings up uh, an interesting point. Uh, if you're worried about any fighting decks in terms of Eternatus, you know, the only one I've even seen, like, worth being time at all has been, like, I don't know. Like, Say it. <laughs> Say it. Do I even Say give it a platform, name. bro? <laughs> What's that? Do I even give it a platform? Bro, say it. I, I can't, man. I I, do, I dove into the Basimian rabbit hole once. and <laughs> <laughs> Now, nah, clearly the deck that he's talking about is Excadrill. True. <laughs> True. Wait, Excadrill. Nah, that's more fun, though. No, nah, no, nah, yeah. Excadrill, uh, but Phalanx. Phalanx. Yeah. No, like... And <laughs> I was actually a big Basimian stand like when the deck first became like a real thing when kevin baxter played it to top 32 i had worked on that so hard with him heading into that tournament and just didn't play it um so i'm you know i'm with you phalanx people who like are about that like i know that i know the vibes right <laughs> i'm right. one with the vibes but right jeez man those kind of decks just <laughs> they're the worst they're pretty bad. They feel so bad to play. They are pretty they're pretty like, bad. They're awful, man. Like, yeah. I don't know if you. But uh, in terms of being worried about any fighting decks, I mean, fighting at least right now until we have Colossal is not a tier one deck. It, it's simply relegated to being a counter deck solely based on having the weakness on Eternatus. And then again, I mean, Eternatus like we have previously stated isn't the you know catch-all best deck in the format in my opinion maybe it turns into that i don't think so there are a lot of ways that can be countered and some bad matchups that are already kind of showing up in the testing and um and so you know fighting is only relevant because eternatus is relevant and eternatus may not be like the best deck that we thought it would be you know or a crazy crazy bdif or something like that and so unfortunately Fighting decks, I wouldn't worry. If Eternatus becomes insane, you know, if some build comes out or we just find that, hey, Eternatus is actually the best deck after more testing, more reps, you know, you can always include weakness po- or weakness guard, guard energy. Right, it fits in right into that colorless energy slot. Yeah, so it really isn't that big of a... Like, there is a counter that Eternatus has to these fighting decks. And again, that's not like a perfect counter, but... Uh, in the sense that you could always whiff the energy attachments or not have it on the right Pokemon, or they could gust around it. But there is that answer that you can play that should help you in a fighting matchup. Yeah. Yeah. It's just my kind of logic. And it's almost like the same reason I don't like playing the counter ish decks, like the Hoopas and the, and the Decidueyes is the same reason I don't like playing these like weird weakness decks. It's like, you're trying to do one thing, right? And, if your opponent has a way around that thing or you don't hit the right matchups, like what's even the point? Yeah. Um, and none of the fighting decks I, I don't think are stand enough, stand up well enough on their own to, mm-hmm. to justify playing them. Uh, and it's, it harkens back to Pissimian again. Like if Pissimian truly wasn't a viable deck when Zorark dominated the entire format, why would now Phalanx be a deck when we're not sure that Eternatus is even the best deck. Right. <laughs> right. And I mean, and you look at Phalanx too, like it has less tools, I feel like, than Pissimian had in terms of search. Like counterattackers. And counterattackers and things like that. Right, right. So it's really just, it's kind of this one 
track mind that I'm not really seeing having a lot of other good matchups outside of like maybe peek around, but obviously we're talking about next format. So lightning isn't a factor either. So, um, you know, I think you could make an argument for phalanx in the kind of, uh, the, the world's format or the weird, the lost format where it's ultra prism to darkness ablaze. You could maybe make a case for phalanx, but beyond that, (laughs) beyond that, it's hard to say that, uh, that that will be much of a factor. Has anyone like in chat put any credence into the lost format, <laughs> the TCGO format for like two two weeks? That well, I mean, there are going to be tournaments run in that format uh, outside of like some grassroots ones. Yeah, grassroots tournaments. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, I mean, that is going to be like the TCGO standard as well for two weeks. I think right. So. It'll be fun. I th- I'm really looking forward to Vikavolt actually. Because yeah. that, that to me, like Vikavolt, I think is going to have a hard time without something like Thunder Mountain or something like Counter Gain. And I think if it has, you know, some way to make it so that you're only attacking for one energy, that's kind of what it needs. Vikavolt still feels like it has a place in the post rotation format, but unfortunately, losing Thunder Mountain, I think, is too big of a loss for Vikavolt to be you know to be like a, a top tier I, again like a probably a tier two deck is a vegavolt in post rotation but uh losing out on that one energy attack possibility is huge for that deck yeah yeah if only there was a way to attach two energy with a single attachment man if only <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine such a thing that would just be actually just a broken card. I feel like that should never be printed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would totally imbalance cards that are. Oh, yeah, right, right. Attached yeah, to or if they made something like that, maybe it just goes away after the turn is done. <laughs> or it's like only limited to certain Pokemon. Maybe not the most powerful ones. <laughs> yeah, that's they'd have to do something like that, right? Yeah, I think they would have to, right, to make it a balanced card. So <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll get back to the dev team on that one. You know, I was I was never in team DCE is inherently broken. I was on team the cards that had DCE cost were broken. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I, I still think I, I was true. there too. Yeah, like, I was there too. I was like, I was more of a fan of banning Skyfield. No, I, honestly. I mean, like, no, but like Seismitoad too. I mean, right. Yeah. You look at Seismitoad or like even laser. Like, I feel like Seismitoad without laser isn't that bad. I mean, we look at it here in the future format where you have Vikavolt, the seven shotting. And Eternatus, or seven shotting pretty much any other <laughs> VMAX. Right, and at that the time, means... Seismitoad was six shot usually. Yeah, six shot generally, or if it had like a Fighting Fury Belt and laser. I mean, it, you know, the math gets a little bit funky, and Verbank, and you know, there's some other factors that you can consider there. Um, but yeah, there's no real good. I guess you could play Vitality Band and the Vikavolt and that, and you know, and then you got Ziggs. Okay, I digress. But uh, it's a lot easier for Seismitoad to hit, you know, get cleaner knockouts than it is for Vikavolt. Right, he's big Pokemon. Uh, yeah, when I when it comes to DCE, my like thought, and I'm sure this was the balance team's thought, was like, you know, it's a good way to bridge an attack that's too powerful for one basic energy, but too weak for two basic energy. Um, yeah, and I just think ultimately, like, they didn't hit that middle ground quite right, where the attacks for DCE were just way too good to right. to justify not doing it. You know, right. Um, right. So, I, you know, maybe one day DC comes back. 
It was a had a glorious <laughs> run. Right, exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think now is the time we can open up the floor to any viewer questions. If you guys have any questions, we did on... want to talk about one other thing today. Yeah, well. of course. We did want to talk about our experiences in Tabletop Simulator with the cubes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now the cubes are something very cool. I haven't uh, actually participated in one. Tonight will be the first time. I'm hoping that uh, you know everyone will be cool with me streaming it because I think I'd like to show how you know a cube can work in this format I, other people have streamed it but um it's certainly cubing in real life is like one of the best ways to enjoy pokemon in my personal opinion because there's a camaraderie to it that i i don't know you don't really get in any other situation like like everyone it's lower stakes than a tournament because i think camaraderie is there in tournaments but the problem with tournaments is that not everyone's going to do well so you know <laughs> some people are going to be yeah. salty yeah. You know, some people are going to be, you know, upset or, or, or frustrated that they misplayed or something like that. But then in a cube, it's so low, uh, low stakes that everybody is just enjoying Pokemon in its purest form. And that is one of the greatest things about cubes. Yeah, I, I, I love like the drafting phase and like talking trash and all your friends, and, you know, just <laughs> ripping your shirt off after like 10 consecutive baby flips and flinging it around in the air. Yeah, yeah. Something like house. something like that. You know, I don't know who would do something <laughs> crazy like that, but. <laughs> but I've enjoyed them. What's cool about tabletop sim is there are some plugins, which are, you know, I don't have to make them like someone else has already made them. Where you can yeah. like automatically pass the hands around and yeah, um, like building the deck isn't too bad. And I actually I had that experience even before I played the cube because uh, I was playing Bunny Kingdom on tabletop sim. Oh, okay. And like yeah. you know that's also a drafting game, and they had the same like pass the hand around button. Yeah. So you know I think actually it systematically works pretty well as long as you have a group that as a whole understands tabletop sim. You know because one person sure. really controls the slowest person in a cube controls the pace of the cube you know yes. of the entire yes. group so you know having everyone on the same page as far as like readiness is is obviously key but you know once you get that narrowed down it's it's pretty good it's pretty good yeah. <laughs> it's good it's good it's yeah good. i like it yeah yeah <laughs> i i've enjoyed it um and what's cool is like it's really easy to that dynamically update a cube with any card yeah because um, like, yeah because that's one of the things too is like with the physical cubes you know you might have overpowered cards but then you're like well you know if i want to play this again and you know buff up this typing or buff up this archetype like i'm gonna have to wait a little while to like order the cards and you know you might not have the things that you need on hand but with a cube in tabletop simulator just go hey i want more of this card clone it boom it's there you know it's right. immediately there that's very cool yeah it lets you have really dynamic ability to change things and and alter things and rebalance types and I, I like that a lot it's a it's like a good medium to experiment as well like even in a future state where everyone's back to normal like maybe you're thinking about doing a cube this is a great way to test it out and see if like it's balanced or if you need to rethink things because they get expensive too especially if you're doing older formats oh like, for sure these cards get really expensive over time so um, you don't want yeah, to drop if, money on an archetype that just doesn't work. <laughs> right, right. And that's that's also another thing, too, is like if you are thinking about getting into cubes, like start as soon as possible would be my uh, would be my advice, because the longer you wait, I mean, we're just seeing the card prices go insanely high. Like yeah. I never thought, you know, some of these primes would get over 
10 or 15 bucks, but here they are, you know, and it's absolutely insane. Some of these literally unplayable cards, like never saw a single uh, tournament play in their entire lifetimes, like are now skyrocketing. Yeah, Light uh, Dragonite just went over a hundred bucks or something. Like Which one? Light Dragonite's over a hundred dollars. Light Dragonite is one hundred dollars. More than that. unbelievable. They're, they're so, listed. So, you know, this is important eBay trick. If you're ever yeah. on eBay, uh, the listing price isn't necessarily the value of a card. You want to look at like the recent sales, and so right. they have sold from anywhere from like a hundred to one hundred eighty dollars in the last yeah. couple of days. Wow, that's crazy, man. <laughs> Yeah. And like, yeah. And like somebody like Andrew, like he has like four or something in his queue, something like that, where he, you know, he probably picked them up for, you know, 10 or 15 a piece, but just looking at it, like the card prices have gone absolutely insane. Like the primes I've been looking at. Yeah, I don't know what's really spurred it on either. I feel like this is almost a weird time to get into it. Yeah. It just seems like new money is coming into the, into the game somehow. Maybe people are like bored um, at home and just want to collect or. Well, and I also feel like big money is coming into the game. That I mean, we've had some big movers and shakers in the Pokemon community, but certainly not, you know, I, well, I mean, and maybe this this could be how clueless I am, but cer- like certainly not like millionaires, which I almost feel like at this point, there has to be some guy that just has so much money that he has no idea what to do with. He's literally buying up everything. That's <laughs> what it feels like. Because these cards that shouldn't be as expensive as they are, are super boosted in price like not even just like oh i'm noticing a difference like they're inflating by two three four five times what they were worth not even six months ago yeah and that is absolutely absurd so yeah i mean uh, to bring it back to the cube like if you want to start a cube with older format cards either do it in tabletop simulator because like riley said that's a good way to test and figure out like what you actually want to buy uh but if you're thinking about doing something I would just start now because those old cards are not going to go down anytime soon. I mean, there there is a bubble. There is bubble speculation. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there is bubble speculation on the price of cards. But um, at least for now, for the foreseeable future, they should. And they definitely won't go down to where they were, you know, a year ago or two years ago. So yeah. certainly get in now if you uh, if you're interested in making a cube. Yeah, awesome points, and who knows? Maybe the investment podcast is coming next. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Let's jump into the chat questions here. I see a couple already. Uh, Guy Kid One Two One asking, "Will Blounds be good post rotation?" JW thoughts? Blounds is fine. Um, anytime that you're looking at a one prize attacker that can one shot anything. I think that has like an inherent amount of value in this for- in a format in terms of like we're just seeing the HP go go to a scale that we've never seen before but at least there's kind of this check you know in in some way that uh, we have in our in our baby blue cephalon and so I wish that it had one more buff it loses heat factory it loses primarily the uh, fire crystal I wish it just yeah. had that one <laughs> Or not fire crystal, uh, fiery flint. Right. The flint. I, I wish it just had that one extra buff, like fiery flint was back, or like even professor's letter, just to give it a little bit more. Because right now it doesn't feel like it has enough. You're gonna lose to a late game N, or a late game reset stamp. Excuse me, or a late game Marnie, uh, way harder than you did in formats past. And so yeah. that is the that is the most concerning thing to me about Baby Blue Cephalon. Awesome deck should be you know viable. 
but it won't sniff tier one without some kind of buff. Yeah, I agree. I think the hardest part is having like a low hand cost way to get a lot of energy to your hand. Um, you know, the uh, the giant hearth is not quite as effective as having a fiery flint, and so the deck is a little bit stifled in its way to to get out of the gates. Yeah, initially, and then also to keep it going. Um, yeah, and so it's just it. That's like a major, major loss is the flint. Honestly, I, yeah. like every time I've played the deck, I've loved having flints in my hands. I love drawing them. I love continuing to draw them. Like sure, early, mid, late, it's just a good card. So <laughs> sure, yeah, you know, exactly. The the deck still has the tools. If you can get energy into the discard, like you still have the ways to yeah. cycle them over and over. It's just yeah, yeah. Initial... I mean, for sure. And like Guy Kid says, Lucky Egg and like Spinner for getting energy out. Like Spinner is good. Don't get me wrong there. But like the best case of Spinner is to use it on the second turn. But since you're a lot slower, you're never really using Spinner to like its full effect. Like right. you often like you're not going to get disrupted. that many Spinners as well. Like right. Like not just not even thinking about like late game not being a good card to draw. Like I'd rather draw an energy almost than a and a spinner <laughs> yeah in certain uh, cases for sure you know it's just like why am i playing a spinner when i could just have an energy <laughs> at, that, sure. at that point you know what i'm saying but yeah. like you know the the turn two value if you're just thinking about you know maybe you go second and just try to get an explosive turn two you know what are you, are you gonna draw like three spinners like okay <laughs> right you know if you do then you know you really freaking play that one well man <laughs> 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 for sure you know you, have, sure. The late you game, have one welder and you draw three spitters <laughs> yeah yeah the late game um the late game with blounts is very different now because you rely solely on your fire crystals to get you those one hit ko numbers so you need to have enough fire crystals left in the deck to achieve you know against vmax decks two one shots um which isn't always that viable because in the early game you know you might have to discard one like try to go for a dedene or uh you maybe have used one in the early game to try to get something set it just is a lot uh better in theory than i think it is in practice and i i think we'll see that play out blounds not dead again not saying it's like not saying it's horrible not saying it's unplayable right. just saying it's not as good as it was which is i mean it's natural which is pretty obvious i guess yeah <laughs> you know fits in makes sense <laughs> Yeah. Merciless asking any thoughts on Aggron with the sturdy ability. Uh, and sturdy ability is another one that I've never been a fan of. <laughs> Just like the well, blocking. Well, I, I think you look at a at a sturdy ability being something that's okay. Uh, we saw it with I think Don Fan was the card in like Lost Thunder or something. One but of the, the game one of the has changed since then in the fact that we have a lot of decks playing scoop up next and zigzag. <laughs> yes. And I was just going to say there's that. And then there's also a problem with Agron being not only being a stage two, making it just a little bit harder to get out the Don fan, <clears throat> but also the problem that you don't have a healing mechanic that will heal 150 damage uh, consistently. We had last, last chance potion. Right. Which is very good for Donphan because Donphan had like 120 or 130 health. And so last chance potions just healed it all the way to full. So you look at that like, oh, that's a good combo. Like that actually works. But like with Donphan or with Agron, you would need to get a last chance potion. And a potion. And then like a Mallow and Lana or like a last chance potion and then a potion. And it just that that extra combo is what's going to, you know, if it wasn't good already, like that extra bit of combo isn't going to help. What set did last chance potion come in? Couldn't tell you, man. 
I, I don't know either. <laughs> I I guess I'll look it up here. You can address that, the next question. Uh, what is the next question? Or is there not a next question? Oh, celestial storm. Celestial storm. Who would have Who would have thought? <laughs> Sayonara. Sayonara. Love. Man, celestial <laughs> storm was such an underwhelming set, man. It had last chance motion in it. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Last Chance Potion, top tier contender. <laughs> I didn't even know Last Chance Potion has like, it has two Dunsparce on it. <laughs> Did you know that? No. Yeah, it has two Dunsparce on the sides. Yeah. Huh. You learn something new every day. You sure do. One last question from Nikhil in chat. Any thoughts on the Hoopa deck? Does it still lack Guzma and does that prevent it from being good? I think you actually have enough switch with the hide energy and the air balloon that it's probably fine. Uh, the problem with Hoopa is that the damage output just lacks a little bit. Um, with Zapdos, the reason that Zapdos was you know, very strong in like a tier one deck is because the HP was a little less back then. You weren't looking at uh, you know, VMAX Pokemon. And then you also had the additional damage buff of Electro Power. And so... That's not, again, that's not to say like Hoopa is bad. I think it is a good card, but I don't think it can be a deck on its own because it's going to need some like additional damage. Now you might, maybe there's a way to do like Hoopa plus like Sableye or something as like a, as like that backup sweeper. Um, But just doing 90 damage turn after turn isn't gonna, isn't gonna do it for you. I think in the long run, especially against these massive V maxes. All right. Yeah, how I would frame it is, you know, Zapdos as a deck had two things that really were going for it. The first was Guzma, which was ridiculous. Um, yeah. The second one was it threatened a two-hit KO or a one-hit KO on everything. Um, Pokemon were smaller back then. 80 damage itself was already good. Um, and then, you know, taking the next step from that is you threatened that KO even a one hit KO on a lot of Pokemon. So I think losing the losing the guaranteed gust plus switch obviously hurts any deck with that that strategy of, you know, pivoting around and, and doing damage by virtue of pivoting. Um, sure. But then just like GW said, the the damage output being so threatened by the electro power not existing for dark types, nor should it. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that I, I, it's not an archetype that I would pursue. I mean, it, it'll be fine. Again, it's, it feels a lot like a baby blue cephalon deck. Like, just not sure. quite there, but maybe someone, you know, Nikhil's bringing up sure. Galarian. And, and you know, maybe sure. that's the, maybe that's the state of one sure. prize decks right now. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there, there's still a lot to, a lot to figure out. And uh, again, this is the exciting time. So we kind of have this framework, framework that's been built the foundation for the format has been built a lot of good lists have been coming out and now we get to build upon that and see what uh what can stand a chance yeah i'm I'm excited to see how everything pans out um lord knows we get surprised all the time with how people might approach a format Um, so i'm excited to see what surprising things come out of this what developments we get over the next few weeks and what you all from chat come up with so Want to extend a hearty thanks to everyone in chat today. Want to thank Andrew Mahone and Azul Garcia Griego for the raids. We appreciate all you coming from those channels. And we will certainly be catching you all next week. Peace. See ya.